The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning. This is the podcast where a group of nerdy friends sit down and talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 1, Episode 14, Extra Crispy Forsaken. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are excited to be back here at The Wind Was a Beginning. Ready to talk a little bit more Wheel of Time. Uh, we hope you're having a great week and glad that you can be with us for this week's episode. Uh, as always, I have my wonderful co-host, uh, Michelle is here. Michelle, say hi to everyone. What's up, everybody? And the person we could not do this show without, our good friend Stephen is here as well. Stephen, say hi. Hey, everybody. And this week we are ready and excited to finally finish this book. I guess I shouldn't say finally. We, <laughs> we, we, we love, we love doing no, this. No, no, no. We're, no, we're, we're, we're excited to, um, to, to finish this book and bring this to you. And we we're moving on in this journey. So, uh, this week we're going to be looking at chapters 51 through 53 of the eye of the world. And we hope that if you, uh, if you're joining us, that you've already read those. And if you have not read those, go ahead and hit the pause button and, Come back after you've read them, and we'll have this fun discussion together. Uh, so, Stephen, Michelle, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, today, as we're recording, I, I may have survived like a dozen tornado warnings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I and, enjoy tornado warnings. And, and, well, I here's, like it. Here's the, thing, here's the thing about where I live. The county that I live in is huge. So you could have something that's on the complete other side of the county, but the whole county's going to get called for the, for the warning. So my, my phone was blowing up all afternoon, tornado warning, tornado warning. Uh, and I mean, we did have some, some strong storms here, but it never got that bad. There were some uh, tornadoes uh, in other parts of the, of the state and the county. So uh, definitely uh, hoping that the people that were in, involved in that are all right. But yeah, that's been my day. How about you guys? <laughs> I mean, I'll take I'll take that over snow any day. And I have to I have to disagree with you there, Justin. I'm excited about finally finishing the book. We all people like me who have never read uh, Eye of the World are excited to finally get the ending. I just so I'm I, I guess to it. I, I don't want it to sound like it's like a a, a drudgery to be going through this. I, I really <laughs> enjoy it. Uh, it's not like it's not like finally we're no, gonna get no. done with this it's it, it's hey we're finally getting to it we've been waiting for this moment this is the climax of the book and and here we are we're ready to go no we're not we're not like a queen waiting to get her hair braided i mean we're we're looking forward <laughs> i think is, she was good well, finally well, she was looking forward to that too that was a, that was an exciting but moment it was, for her. But it, that was the <gasps> you know that's that's how she was feeling about it uh, no no <laughs> No, I think I think she was very excited. She might have been as excited about that as we are about uh, finishing this book and getting to this great content that we have uh, for this week. But Stephen, you haven't really said anything yet, so I'm going to give you the chance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I 
y'all know I work outside for a living, so it's been a uh, a wet mess of a day, but not a bad one. Just uh, very wet. So glad to be inside and dry and happy to get to talk about this book and the conclusion to this book and this crazy little adventure we've been going on the last several weeks. So I'm, I'm glad you're here this week because I'm, I'm going to need you to explain some stuff. <laughs> I yeah, feel listen. like this is probably the first episode where I actually can. Yeah, because oh, we're, we're finally we're finally reaching a climax, and there's you know there's a lot of stuff going on, and some of it I'm gonna be honest was was a little bit confusing. I had trouble trying to picture it and figure out what was going on. But if you guys are are ready, we'll just launch right into it. Let's do it. Sound good? So. Uh, we're going to start off with chapter 51, uh, Against the Shadow. Uh, if you remember last week, we left off with Ran running for it while Moraine fought against Aganor, but it didn't take long for Aganor to catch up. And just as it appeared that the Forsaken was going to win, Rand finds himself in another location entirely. And now... Amidst the end of the battle between Shinar and the Creatures of Shadow, uh, an onslaught of, of lightning, wind, fire, and the trembling earth significantly reduce uh, the Shadow's numbers. And and then just as the battle is is about to resume, here Rand comes face to face with Baalzaman one more time. And maybe for the final time. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. So, I mean, it made it clear uh, in the chapter that Rand ran for it. Where were the other two? Where was Max and, um, not Max, oh my gosh. Where was Matt? <laughs> I, was, I was looking at uh, Gladiator yesterday. But anyway, where was Matt and uh, Perrin? Were they running too? I think, I think that's uh, addressed a little bit later on that pretty much... Because I'm like... Everybody... Cause I he, everybody... I, I don't, every. Pretty much everybody just makes a run for Everyone it. scattered. Is trying to distract him. Yeah. Because I couldn't remember whether or not Moraine pointed to Rand and said, hey, you run or something. Because I was trying to figure out, like, why is... I guess the whole book, we kind of were focused on Rand. Well, you're seeing it from his perspective, but she's pretty much telling everybody to run. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I think one of them says later that they, they did run for it. They they took off just as, just as much as he did. Um but they didn't have the experiences that he did uh, after they ran. Ran? After they ran. After Rand ran. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after Rand ran. Um, but, uh, so this, it, it starts out with this encounter with Aganor. And there, there's a little bit back and forth uh, between them. Um, Aganor clearly is you know, antagonizing Rand in many different ways. And Rand has got his back to this cliff and really no way out. But but here's where I kind of started to get lost. Is this cord or, or rope that seemed to be attached to him? And then later we kind of see the same thing with Rand and Baalzaman. So I, I'm, I'm not... I was having trouble figuring out what's going on there. Same so. here. It was hard to picture for me. It was, I mean, I could tell that Aganor had like this big mummy energy, but uh, 
this this rope they kept on transferring. I mean, first, you know, when it when it went to Rand and Baalzaman, you know, the gold rope versus the black rope, I was like, is this like an umbilical cord or is this shooting out of their back? Like, like what is this? Yeah. Um, okay. Take it away. Well, yeah, Steven, this <laughs> is all, right. this, you need to put a picture in our head because I really don't get it. Okay. So, uh, what this is, it's not a physical object. It's a thing that Rand is able to see here uh, because of his ability, as we learn in this chapter, to use the one power. Um, so think of it as a metaphysical cord um, attaching to the spirit, not necessarily the physical body. Um, but what this is, that uh, white light golden cord that yeah. is first attached to Agonor and then Rand grabs hold of it, that is the eye of the world. Oh. Okay. What has happened here, so the eye of the world is pure, untainted, uh, pure essence of Sidene, the male half of the power. Agonor has reached out and taken hold of that power and is using it, as they see here, he starts to de-age. He starts to get younger and healthier and fitter. He's f pulling that power into himself and taking it for his own. What happens is that Rand, not really knowing what he's doing, grabs hold of the same thing, and then they ensue into a struggle for control of it. Okay. Okay. So what that is, that cord is, is a tether, basically. It's a, uh, a tendril from the eye of the world. Justin, did you because catch any of that when you read the chapter? I, I did not. I, I really, I, I thought it was, I mean, I, I assumed it was something to do with the power, but I, I don't think I really picked up that it was... Uh, anything it was necessarily connected with the eye did you even realize uh, so are the forsaken supposed to be able to uh tap into sidene is that normal or is this well, just so, yes because they were they were male isodai oh yeah they were male or Sedai. you know That's well true. they they were isodai male and female um yeah but we we've okay. seen we've seen only these so, two and gotten one other name but that's what i'm saying yeah, you should not have you, you the male forsaken definitely would be able to use uh, Sidene. Yeah, that's why you don't so, put a big pool of pure one power into a pool, like just well, sitting there. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So, um, since we're on the subject, then what was the? I know it, it's it's a little bit later in the chapter, but um, what was the the black cord? Connected ah. to Baalzaman, or can, if you if you can't tell us that yet, you just, and just, just, to, just tell and just us. To be clear, <laughs> just to be clear, there were two separate cords, right? The, there were. The, well, okay, okay. When when Rand was so. facing Baalzaman, he had the the gold light one, and then Baalzaman had one that was, uh, you know, so black it made the darkness look like light. And they were side by side. It wasn't like I mean, it wasn't like Dragon Ball Z where you have one power thing shooting toward, like, you know, Kamehameha versus this thing, you know what I mean, where it's, like, back and forth. They were side by side, right? Not front to... So, one was connected to basically, like, one was imagined by Rand to be coming from his back, okay. leading off, and then the other one is attaching to the back of Baalzaman and leading off in another direction. 
So okay. think of it like they've each got two, like, I guess, like, bungee cords. Like, if you've ever done one of those things where you're, like, running against a bungee cord. One, yeah. one, think of it like that. One power bungee cords. Yes, it. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think I can tell you what it's actually called. Okay. Without being a spoiler. But basically, that black cord, which uh, it is noted by Rand, absolutely dwarfs the little white cord that he is attached to. Yeah. So this black mass of a cord is bigger in scope than Bilesmon himself. It's like this giant mass um, that is attached to him leading off into the distance. Um, what that is, is the Dark One's power. Okay, that makes sense. So it's like the that taint, direct... basically? No. Um, okay. So... Sidar is the female half. Sidene is the male half. The Dark One's power is something altogether different. Okay. It can do a lot of the same things, but not in the same ways, and in in ways more destructive. Uh, Linking back, all all the way back to the beginning of the book, when we had the the Dragon Mount prologue, um, remember that uh, the Betrayer of Hope there does a healing on Luz Theron? Remember that scene? Yes. He's using the Dark One's power, and he actually talks about how if one of your sisters was here, this would probably go easier for you. Oh, the Dark One's yeah. power isn't like what you're used to, uh, and it like heals him, but it's like incredibly painful and horrible in, in doing so. So the Dark One's power is like that. It's a two-edged sword. It's, it's not easy and... Uh, good, like the power that naturally occurs in Sidar or Sidene, it is a corrupting, twisting, tearing power by its very nature. Um, and particular Forsaken can access that power, and in different measures. So, Balsamon there is able to access that power, he has that power at his disposal uh, in this fight against Rand. So that's what that is. Um, um, and you know how uh, when when Rand and everyone's dreaming, they kind of meet Balzaman in this room. You know what I'm? You guys remember what I'm talking about? It looks like you know, here they met in this room, right? Like now it's actual. Like Rand and Balzaman are in that room that he always dreamed about. Yeah, that does seem to be the place. I mean, it does have that same characteristics. You got that fireplace that was always mentioned with the faces. Uh, so it does seem to be the place that they're they're meeting. Before we get to that, though, um, there there was a lot that happened before that, with Rand suddenly showing up in Tarwin's Gap, <laughs> where where the Shinarans and the 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 Trolloc armies were fighting, and it wasn't going well for the Shinarans. But I want to say this: we we've we've talked about. We've talked about the hardiness of these people before, and and Rand notes that you know they were outnumbered like ten to one or something like that yes. before when when he ten, first showed up. And, but they were they were still, even though they were vastly outnumbered, they were still ready to line up and and go back into battle. But then they get a little help. <laughs> you know that was that was very interesting though because I honestly completely missed that particular interaction. I guess I was so focused on 
uh, Rand and Baalzamon that I kind of ignored their little trollic wall, wall uh, you know, trollic no, war. You got to go back and read that because that that yeah, that I need to go back into, to that part. You know, when this, you get to uh, cause, that cause, last part of a book and you start well, like, you know, just going oh, through it. Oh yeah, I understand, but I mean, this is really a pivotal moment for for Rand because he does some things. <laughs> yes, there's actually quite a bit that happens in this That's little true. section before he, we ever even get to uh, Bialzaman. Yeah, he he does some things. Uh... That is true. That is true. I want to point out though that I said I, I need to go back several chapters to Rand and Matt inside like that that room, and the lightning came. Did Rand do that or not? I remember you guys were trying to tell me like, oh no, it's just perfectly timed lightning. <laughs> I want to discuss. I was was uh, Stephen? Stephen, were you looking something up for us, or I want to discuss the dishonesty within this group when it comes to this lightning. All right, let's. <laughs> that let's... happened in that room. <laughs> so yeah, the lightning. Yeah, uh, I couldn't give you any more than that without telling you. You know, it would ruin the reveal that we get here that Rand is able to use the power. So I couldn't, in good conscience, tell you any more than that back when we were in that chapter. I wasn't intentionally trying to throw you off. I just couldn't give you answers you know, that you wanted. You know, it's it's so weird because you know he's he's because uh, I'm I'm sure this is all unintentionally you know using the power, uh, kind of like when Gohan was screaming when he was a child and you know he's using the power himself. It's just that you know I didn't I never realized that the power can kind of manifest itself in this kind of way. You know what I mean? Like when you're unintentionally using it, um, it's like well, when you I mean, think about one power i'm thinking about like glowing hands or something it's like i'm not you don't think that it's i mean you know what no never mind because moraine has done the same thing but when i thought back to it after this moment it's like wow i guess it's it's all just unintentional from naive to everybody it's just un unintentional until you know well yeah that's something well it's the thing sorry go ahead no. well i was gonna say that's something we, we've seen you know um the average person you know, somebody could be standing right next to them using the power and they would they would never know it. There is no, you know, for the average person, there is no visible sign other than the effects of what's being what might be done. And then as far as someone uh, using the power without really knowing what they're doing, we, we know that Nynaeve has done that uh, when she's healed people yeah, in the past. Moraine even makes that point when she's talking with Egwene in the beginning, the before you're trained, the one power more often than not just reacts to extreme need or uh, will as opposed to like channeling it in an effective, purposeful manner. It takes training to be able to use it properly and to use it for the purpose that you want. Uh, what's happening here is Rand is basically using it purely on instinct. So he doesn't know how he's doing it. He's just doing it and his body and his spirit are making it happen he's not really controlling what's happening he's just reacting and the power is flowing through him by pure instinct at this point I would did, you say it's uh sorry go on justin i was gonna say i did like that it did start with the lightning because it gives us that callback to earlier when that perfectly timed lightning helped rand and matt escape uh was that uh was that four kings uh, yes. Yeah. Four kings. All, all the way back in Four Kings, you know, it, it does give you that callback, and it you, you you made I think the exact connection you were supposed to, Michelle, that you know you come to this realization that 
oh, it was Rand that did that all the way back there. Uh, and we'll find out a little bit more about that uh, later on. So I did like that, that 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 was the first thing that we see. Yeah, is, and it does make sense with, uh, like Moran said, men typically are more talented in fire and earth. And those are the two things that Rand uses most effectively here. He starts with the lightning, which is a channeling of fire with a little of other things mixed in, uh, and then moves on to manipulating the earth, as we see as he basically uses the ground to obliterate a mass of Trollocs. Yeah. Um, so it's him playing into his strengths on a subconscious level. It was, it, it was a pretty awesome scene. <laughs> yeah. No, by the time it's done, it's really neat because, all right, so when Rand shows up, uh, the people see him like the other like they don't at first but then the the shinarans the borderlanders see him but they don't really understand what they're seeing because yeah. it's said that he is like basically glowing like the sun uh from the amount of power he's pulling in from the eye he looks like the light made flesh <laughs> standing there and all of a sudden he just starts weighing laced waste to these trollocs the murdral the yeah. drakkar to the point that when we, he gets there, they're outnumbered 10 to 1. By the time he moves on, it's now they're only outnumbered 2 to 1. Yeah. So for every 10 Trollocs, he killed 8 out of That's this crazy. massive army. So that is a, it is an insanely huge amount of power being thrown at this uh, Trolloc army. You know, he's killing fades like they're like turning them to dust. Yeah. I mean, he's just obliterating. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's impressive. Highly impressive. So I think Justin, you had another question about something that happens here before we move on. Yeah, to there. And, and again, this may be something you can't answer yet uh, without giving away spoilers. But uh, there's that moment where it seems like someone is speaking in Rand's head. I'm because, calling it. I'm ahead. calling it now. It's loose there. I'm calling it. Okay. Well, it it says. Um, you know, there, there's there's this voice, and it says that it was not Rand's thought making his skull vibrate, but it says, "It is not here. I will take no part. Only the chosen one can do what must be done if he wow. will enlighten me." <laughs> I, I I I feel like because we already. I'm sorry. I've been saying. I feel like Rand is not just Rand who we think he's. He's someone else. Yeah. So but it, now it's like disembodied. It's like, who are you? And I feel like it's loose Theron. So you think the voice that he's hearing out amongst all the chaos is loose Theron? Yes. Absolutely, yes. That's just, we're okay. going to put a bookmark on that. We're going to put a bookmark on that and call it out when, I don't know whether it's going to be book two or book, you know, 12 or something. I want to put a bookmark on that one. But I, I love that. I really love that the voice came out. I don't. I didn't know there was a voice, but I'm glad it came out. I need to think about this one a little bit more. It's like a. Clue. I can tell you. I could tell you, but can I? I shouldn't. I say. No, not ask yet, you, please. Can I ask you this? With my pre-existing knowledge of the book, should I know? You could know. You probably shouldn't, but you okay. you could puzzle it okay. out. Okay. Okay. Because I'm 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 going a different direction than Michelle. Can I hear it? But Can I hear uh, your direction? You wouldn't have any information that would give you the clear answer, Justin, so your theory is as good as hers. Yeah. I'm 
just okay, knowing what we learn about Rand in these chapters, at least, um, it seems to be very heavily implied, if not outright stated, at the end of chapter 53, he is the dragon. Yes. Lutheran was also the dragon. Yes, he was. And and what what's throwing me off is the statement, I will take no part, only the chosen one can do what must be done, if he will. I'm thinking this could be the creator speaking to him somehow. Really? Uh, I, that's... I... That that's gonna be that's gonna be my working theory at this moment. Have we ever mentioned any creator in this book? Oh, there is a creator because the, yeah, the creator sealed away the dark one at the beginning of time. That is who sealed away the dark one. The creator initially, yeah, isn't that right, Stephen? Yes, yeah. the creator created the wheel, created everything that's in existence, and at that time used his own power to seal the Dark One outside of creation. Right. So the Dark One is supposed to be stuck, basically think of it like the creator used his power to put the Dark One in a pocket dimension, Michelle. So he's not supposed to be able to interact in our world and to touch the wheel, but because of something that happened back in the Age of Legends, uh, some people got greedy, found the basically the door to that uh, dimension, drilled into it seeking power, not knowing that it, the power they were trying to tap into was actually that Dark One's power that uh, Balsamon is using later on. But in so doing, they cracked open his prison and allowed him access to our world. He's not supposed to be here. He's not supposed to be acting here. Uh, but because of our own hubris, basically humanity unleashed him upon the world. And Luz Theron and his companions did what they could to seal him back into that prison, but they couldn't do the job properly. And that's what resulted in him lashing back out and tainting the, sword, the male half of the one power. Because they, they tried to copy the creator, but failed in their human flaws. And so the Dark One has been allowed to still, though thwarted and contained, still have presence and touch on the world over these last two to 3,000 years. There's so many applications that can be made I know. from what you I'm just like, said. <laughs> I'm, I'm even rereading and rereading that passage, and I'm realizing there's something larger that needs to be done, and basically whoever's speaking in his mind is like, you know, I can't I can't do it, but it's not going to happen here, basically. Because now now I'm getting a different, different interpretation when I'm reading it. All I can do <laughs> is keep reading the book at this point. Oh, we still got a long way to go. Uh, so we get to this point of, you know, now we're face to face with Baalzaman Be again. And yep. all of this time, he he is known, it's one of the three between Rand, Matt, and Perrin. But now he knows for sure that he's got the one that he's looking for. Yeah. And he does all of these, you know, I mean, really awful things to kind of offer Rand like this final ultimatum. This last chance to, you know, serve him, uh, but it's it's not of it's not going to be of any effect. Yeah. So let me ask y'all that question real quick. Uh, in this scene, we have uh, Rand is before the fireplace. Uh, Balsamon is over there, and then suddenly it's like Nynaeve and Egwene appear, and Rand's mother, and Rand is able to. Uh, 
shrug it off and say, you know, you don't have control over me. I rebuke you and all that. And the vision of Egwene and Anive dissolves into mist. But his mother remains. Do we think... What do you think is happening here? Do y'all think it's all an illusion? Or do you think he's actively pulling at their souls? Or that that's really Kerry Althor? Or do we think it's all a game for Balsamon messing with Rand's head? Or do we think it's literally his mother's soul being tortured in front of him? I First off, I don't believe it's really his mom. Like, that's that her and her physical form there. And, and of course, I, I never believed that Egwene... I feel like Egwene was just kind of an illusion that he used to kind of manipulate him. Other than past that, I have I have no idea what's going on with his mom, but I don't believe that anyone's physically there. And I don't believe Egwene was, like, she wouldn't even have, she's just an illusion, something to manipulate him. I have no idea about his mother, though. But we do know that Rand is curious about his parentage. So, I mean, I just feel like it's all manipulation. I tend to agree with that. Uh, I think it's a trick, um, you know, trying to get Rand to cave in. The only thing that really makes me wonder is it's been stated more than once that death will not stop the Dark One. Uh, he can still use a person after they're dead. And at that point, it would be even easier for him to do so. So he has or seems to have some kind of power in that realm, but I, I still want to operate under the idea that this was some kind of trick to, you know, try to get Rand to break, essentially. Okay. We can save that for later down the road. But yeah, I, I feel like that's going to, that. I, I feel like that's going to come up again. <laughs> I mean, it has to, right? This is the yeah. first time yeah. even really seeing her uh, past yeah. Tam talking about her. But, but if it, if it is a trick, it didn't work. Uh, because Rand yeah. is able to fight it off. Yep. And in so doing, uh, he defeats the Dark One here, right? Yeah, supposedly. I, I just, I find this hard to believe. It's too easy. So he, I, it's uh, not easy, but it's, it just feels, it feels too easy. How do you defeat so the he, Dark? Uh, you can't just defeat the Dark One. Like, are you kidding me? So it, he severs that, uh, that massive cord uh, leading into Balsamon and uh, then basically sets to uh, burning the place down, basically. Yeah. uh, With Balsamon in in it. Is this an assumption or do we know for sure that the Dark One's dead? Is it just just us as a reader? uh, Rand watched Balsamon burn and he is pretty well convinced that he killed him. I don't believe it. I'm calling it now. I I just I find a hard, I find it really hard to believe that all you had to do was cut his umbilical cord and boom, he's done. Like I I refuse. I, it's well, too that, easy. That that might be a chance for us to uh, kind of transition into the later chapters because I, I know. Let's go for it. I, I know there's a statement later on that might shed some light on that. So, in in chapter fifty two. Uh, title is There Is Neither Beginning Nor End. Rand awakens in the remains of what used to be Agonor, and after some time gets to his feet, finds his way back to the others, and it's only then that Rand really realizes what has happened to him, that he has channeled the One Power, as apparently Moraine had suspected he could do for quite some time. 
Uh, but there's still more mysteries to be brought to light as certain items hidden within the eye of the world are revealed. So I just want to ask you guys, do you like your forsaken original recipe or extra crispy? Extra crispy, <laughs> a little bit of spice. Uh, well, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how much spice there is there in um, what's left of Aganor, but I think he definitely, uh, he definitely got the extra crispy treatment. Yeah. So, what do you think happened to Aganor here? Uh, Eleven herbs and spices. I, I <laughs> exactly. Someone, someone, someone forgot to put the timer on. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I really, I really so, don't know. Yeah, he's, he's gone. So All I know is he's 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 gone. There's two possibilities here, and I'll let you guys decide which one you subscribe to. I know what I think, but y'all can make your own minds up. So one of two things happened. Either one, um, earlier when they were wrestling for the control of the power, uh, Rand, you know, uses that ability, so he's able to uh, teleport basically over to the battlefield at Tarwin's Gap. At that moment, right before he does that, he says that uh, fire lit in Aganor's eyes. Um, do we think that Rand lit Aganor on fire? Or, I do have one other possible oh, conclusion no. here. I have one too, before you say your other possible con conclusion. He was fighting uh, Aganor for that one power, you know what I mean? Um, I feel mm -hmm. like he took so much of it that Aganor literally had nothing else to hold himself together, because it was probably a bit of Sidene that was, you know, or the or or the Eye of the World that was putting him together. So I feel like he tugged so much of it, because you know he was getting younger, and I think Rant tugged so much of it that it's like he had nothing left, so he just turned to dust. Okay, I think you're on to you're on to my second point, but you're not quite there. So let me finish oh, yeah. it and bring the dots together for you. So. Do you remember back on Dragon Mount where Luz Theron uh, basically committed suicide by pulling the power into himself to the point that he uh, destroyed himself and made that volcano that is Dragon Mount? Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. Very so much so. I think what's happened here, um, because Bialzaman actually says this, that Aganor was always too greedy and that was that was his undoing. What happened here, in my opinion, and you're welcome to yours is that Rand and Aganor were fighting over control of the Eye of the World. In so doing, they were channeling that power into themselves. Rand tried to take a little, but as soon as Rand started trying to take hold of any of that power, Aganor got greedy and tried to take all of it, which was far too much for him to contain without putting it out somewhere. Rand is able to, you know, when he goes to Tarwin's Gap, he says, you know, his, his, his skin feels like it's on fire. The people that see him see that he's shining like the sun. So he's about to, like, combust himself, and then he has to let it out. And that's when he uses it to, to call the lightning and destroy the earth to destroy that army. Aganor is trying to take that same amount of power, but he doesn't want to put it anywhere. He wants it all for him. He wants to bring it all into himself. And I think what happens here is that he does that, and it's too much for him to control, and he basically burns himself from the inside. I think he, that, that destroys himself. That that, that makes a lot like of sense it, to me. Yeah. Especially after you yeah. said Biles, I'm almost like, oh yeah, he gets too greedy. I, I believe that. Because I, I forgot about yeah. that. Like, having too much of the power can also destroy you. Yeah, that was, that. you know, because I was kind of confused by that line of saying that Aganor was too greedy, but when you put it in those words, it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. 
Um, how about Moraine actually kind of, well, let's use the word suspected. Yeah. All she had uh, her like suspicions. from like from the first night they were on the road, she suspected that Rand could channel. And apparently only Rand really. I guess she was eyeballing everyone else, but well, I guess Now from it's not quite that clear cut. Um so from the first night with everything with Bella, she didn't really put together like she even says, like she didn't put together she should have then who would want Bella and who was on Bella that that person would want so badly for them to be okay. She didn't put two and two together that it would have been Rand then, but she suspected that she knew for a fact that one of the boys was channeling and had done that to Bella, but she didn't know specifically that it was Rand. But over time, as these other things have popped up, like, apparently, we let slip here, that those coins Moraine gave them weren't just trackers. They were also... A form of uh, control. Like, they should have, once they accepted her token, they should have just got in line and listened to her. And you remember when they're leaving Edmunds Field, she tells them not to tell anybody, and so Matt and Perrin listen to her. They leave letters and don't say a word. But Rand is, like, telling his dad all about it and talking about it loose and freely. Apparently, whatever's supposed to be binding doesn't work on Rand, and so that's an interesting little tidbit that she had. Uh, that token was a little more than it seemed. When I when I heard that, I was like, like two things. I was like, one, I need to reread this book, and then two, you know what? I guess you should never trust an Aes Sedai. How scary <laughs> is that? Like, yep. like that coin was. <laughs> we knew it, kind of. I kind of suspected it when she. No, I kind of knew that something was up when she gave them the coin and the way she was kind of talking to them. But the fact that that coin could make them listen to her, that's really Aes Sedai-ish. Yeah. Very stereotypically Aes Sedai. That's really, I, I don't know, it, that really threw me off. It helps kind of to paint the picture. There's a reason the people of this world don't trust the Aes Sedai. They have their own purposes and their own agenda, and they're not all happy-go-lucky rays of sunshine. It's not evil, it's just, you know, this, it's not even dishonest, it's just, wow. It's, uh, it's gray. It's gray, it's there we go. It's wonderful thing. It's not white, it's not black. Moraine likes to play in the gray. But also, um, I now understand her reactions. Like, that's why I wanted to go back and reread. Because, you know, she had certain reactions to some of the things that he did. Um, like, like when she just turned suddenly to, like, look at him or something. And I'm, I'm realizing now it's probably because he went against what she said to do. It wasn't just him, though. Matt did it, too. But in my opinion. Only because Rand instigated, like, Rand, every time they do something contrary to what Moraine wanted, Rand is in the center of it. Okay. Like, when they're going to tell Moraine about the dreams, Matt and Perrin probably would have, but... Rand got Tom involved, and then Rand and the boys talk together, and they're able to to decide not to tell her. Oh, man. Even though they really wanted to. Wow. Oh, so much comes together after she said she controls him with the coin. But, you know, I was kind of disappointed in Moraine a little bit. It's like you find out that he can channel the power, but it's like she wants to dismiss him. Right? Did I misread that? Justin, you want to take this I, one? I... I didn't really it, pick up on on that. It's like it's like she 
it's like, okay, I found out, like, you're it. Like, maybe I, I think the only reason she didn't kill him is because she's not a red Aja. But the way that she kind of interacted with him, it just seemed like it was dismissive. Like, like she didn't really want to be around him anymore. Like, she used him for what he needed to be used for. I think what you are picking up on is at the crux of Moraine's dilemma. Uh, so she has been searching high and low all over the place for the dragon who's been reborn. Okay? So she knew that, that one of these boys was the dragon. The problem is, the prophecies of the dragon say that he will bring another breaking, that he will save them but destroy them. There's a, it's a double-edged sword by finding the dragon. Yes, that's great. He didn't, he didn't turn to the Dark One right now. That's wonderful. But at the same time, the fact that she now has concrete proof, the dragon's reborn, here he is, that means the end is here. The last battle is coming, the apocalypse is now, and Rand has just as much potential to destroy the world and everyone in it as he does to save it. It is a dubious thing here. And by right, as an Aes Sedai, and by every law that she holds dear, she should be gentling him or trying to kill him right now. She's going against her she's going against her own order by not doing so. And there's a chance by not doing that to him that she might be dooming the world. But there's also a chance that if she did stop him now, she'd condemn the world because the world needs him. So you see, she's war, at war in herself with what's happening here. There's a, a, a hope, but also a fear. Yes. Of, of the outcomes that, that could come about. So uh, that, that, that's, that's the short version. <laughs> and, then, and then we also see that like Nynaeve and, and Egwene kind of look at him too. Did she tell them everything, or did they? Did they know? They know because they were they were witness. Yeah. Okay. And they can channel, so they okay. understand that the things that happened only happen if somebody channeled, and Rand's the one who was doing the channeling. Uh, so I doubt they have any inkling of what it means, like that he would be the dragon or anything like that. And to them, they've just found out that this boy that they love can use the power, which means he's doomed to go mad and and break the world. He needs to be put down or gentled, um, and that's pretty much a death sentence. So it's it's this somber, sorrowful moment, because it's basically learning... It's like, basically, this is a death sentence for Rand, in their eyes. Like, he either will go mad and destroy everything he cares about, or he'll die before that can happen. But either way his life is not going to be a happy one anymore. And so it it's just this sorrow. It's like they're grieving him, even though he's still alive. I don't believe this is going to happen, though. Matt, uh, Randa's to Baron, so anything could happen at this point. Yeah, so uh, unless you have anything else, I think we need to move on to what was found once yeah. the eye was all used up. Yeah, well, I think the first thing that was interesting is... Uh, let me see if I can... Where where was it? Um, I thought I had it written down, like how they described it. It was like a, a oh yeah, a crystal column replaced by a crystal column and steps to reach it. That's that's what's where the eye is now. And then there were these objects found within. Um, so we have uh, what 
first are described as fragments of pottery, which turn out to be um, Quint- Quindiar. Yep. Is that, yeah. Uh, Heartstone, <laughs> uh, which should be virtually indestructible. Uh, oh, in fact, not I think virtually. It, well, I, I think it's even said if, if if the power is used on it, it actually makes it stronger. If anything, um, like it absorbs any form of energy directed at it. So kinetic energy, you try and hit it with a hammer, it's going to absorb that and bounce it back. Yeah. If you try to throw the power at it, it's just going to absorb it and get stronger. If you try to burn it, it's just going to heat up and then get stronger. This it's this strange substance that uh should not ever be able to break and yet but, they find it in pieces but it's in pieces and and there's the added wrinkle of this is supposed to be one of the seals of the dark exactly. one's prison and it's broken yep. uh that's exactly. not a good thing um <laughs> so uh, and 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 later we see moraine has it um you know she she's keeping it close and spending a lot of time with it so she's obviously concerned and uh, trying to figure out exactly what has happened here. We also have this um, very ornate or a large golden chest. And inside is what maybe up to this point we just thought was a legend. We're, you know, it, it's, it's a day for discovering that legends come, come true. Um, the Horn of Valir. Tiamai Avin Moradin Isande Vadin. The grave is no bar to my call. Yeah, so we we have we we've heard about this. Uh, it's in a number of the Gleeman stories. There's actually a uh, a hunt for the horn that's been called in Ilion. We we've kind of gotten a a little glimpse of that, and it's been in the eye of the world all along. <laughs> yeah. People so, have been looking for thousands of years, and here it's just been hanging out with the green man. Yeah, and 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 I believe it is explained what the purpose of the horn is supposed to be, right? Yes, it uh, was. It that, is uh, later in the next chapter when they return to Faldara, uh, because Moraine presents the horn to uh, Agulmar, and he talks about how the fact that it is to call the the dead heroes of the wheel back to fight the dark one. Oh, that's so cool. Which just furthers the, you know, furthers the the chances that you know, we're we're getting close to that last battle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the third thing that they find is a uh, a it, when when Rand first sees it, it, it just looks like a, a folded up white cloth. Um, but it turns out to actually be a banner. Uh, let's see, with the figure of a serpent. Scaled in scarlet and gold, with scaled legs, uh, feet with uh, five long golden claws on each foot, and a, a, a head with a, a golden mane and eyes like the sun. That's the summary of the description. And we're told it's the banner of Luce there in Telamon, the banner of the dragon. Banner of the Lord of the Morning, the dragon himself. It's basic, it, basically the dragon that's depicted here, if you think of like... In Asian cultures, like the Chinese yeah. dragons, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. So the long serpentine dragon with almost like the the lion's mane around its head, it's one of those looking dragons, as opposed to a European dragon like in like uh, Game of Thrones. Why uh, such a strong reaction to the to the banner? 
Like, everyone had a super strong reaction to it. Like, why? Uh, because the dragon is basically the one who destroyed the world. <laughs> He's, like, the biggest, baddest of all the boogeymen. Like, people, people in some parts would consider the dragon just as bad as the Dark One. <laughs> okay. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. The uh, if, if the dragon has been reborn, that means the last battle is coming. And that possibly means the destruction of the world. I mean, it may yeah. also save the world, but it's it's gonna it's gonna there's gonna be some costs there along the way. So it's not going to be uh, an easy easy way to go. So to me, this just makes it seem like the eye of the world was mainly just a hiding place. You know what well, I mean? Well, that question that question is brought up. Uh, what was the actual purpose of the eye? It's like and, you wouldn't expect the, <laughs> the gate to the Dark One to be in the eye or, or all yeah. these other things. I feel like Rand got manipulated into actually letting the Dark One go. He thinks he killed him, but in reality, he, he broke the Hearthstone. Well, well Moraine, Moraine asks the question, you know, was the eye, you know, was it supposed to be used for what we used it for? Which exactly. I'm guessing she means, you know, to fight against the Shadow as they did. Or I'm I'm guessing the other possibility she's thinking of is that it's used to, its purpose was to hide these items, uh, or to keep them safe until such time as as they're needed, uh, maybe. Um, but I mean, and and we don't really, I guess we don't really get a resolution to that question, at least not directly. Um, it's it's kind of left, you know, left for us to wonder what what was the purpose. I all I can tell you is that you will eventually understand. Of course. <laughs> in, in in book 14. <laughs> in book 14. Uh, I, I'm just... No, probably more like book 10. Okay. Oh, that's not so, like, okay, that's really close. I, I never, I never, I never, I haven't made it that far, so uh, I, I'll I think, get there. But, uh, this um, just told me that all of this was a manipulation. It's not what we thought it was. Um, what we think happened, Rand's feeling of, oh yeah, I just sl like I, I just slayed the the dark one. Like that's that's not what happened here. Um, and I think my my theory is it's like I feel like whoever put those things there there knew that once the eye is I guess opened or something, they knew that at that point it is probably the beginning of the end um, because it's not supposed to happen. Um. And it's, I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like uh, it, in reality, he released the Dark One. and um, So, I do want to clear that up for you real quick. Um, the Dark One's prison, that seal being broken, probably didn't have anything to do with the eye being used. Um, it could have been broken for a thousand years, for all we know. We okay. know for a fact that the Dark One has been having an influence on the world. Uh, and it's been going stronger and stronger over the past little bit. Uh, so his seals had already been weakening. And there are more than one seal. There are seven. This is one. So that just because like, if, if the Eye of the World was meant to uh, keep the seals from breaking, then there would have been more than one seal in the eye of the world. They would have all put them all there and made sure nobody messed with the eye and that would have just solved the problem right then. Uh, but that wasn't the solution. But they did decide to put one of them there. Uh, so I guess so on to, uh, on to six more seals then. 
<laughs> in reality. So we want to move into our last chapter? Yeah, let's yeah, get let's, there. Let's move into chapter 43, the wheel turns. 53. Which was, uh, did I say, I said Yeah, I said we, got, we, got, we got to move forward, not back. 53, thank you. Chapter 53, the wheel turns. Um, which, you know, when I first read it, I was like, oh, there's not really a whole lot that happens in this chapter. And it is kind of, it is kind of brief, but there's still a lot we could talk about. Um, anyway, just to, uh, kind of get us up to speed that, uh, they awaken, they, they awaken in the morning, uh, after sleep, they sleep in the green man's garden. They awaken and they realize that, um, the, the, the green man's garden is already succumbing to the blight. Um, but thankfully, Loyal makes sure that, uh, Tree Brother's grave will never give in to the decay. Uh, meanwhile, to the south in, uh, Shinar, spring has returned. Now, there's still a lot to do and many questions left to be answered, but for now, we know that the Dark One has been dealt a great blow. And one thing is clear. The dragon has been reborn. So I did, I loved that moment. It was, it was both beautiful and sad. Loyal, uh, singing at the oak tree. Yeah. That marked the, yeah. the, the, the green man's grave. But, you know, there's that beauty of it is he's, you know, what he does, he says, will make sure that that tree continues to stay green, even with the blight all around it, even with this garden, which a day before was beautiful and lush. It was a paradise. It's half dead at this point, but yeah. the tree is is going to remain. Uh, so I just I, I thought that was a, a beautiful moment, beautiful but sad at the same time. And and I was you know I, I was right there with with loyal, <clears throat> uh, feeling feeling it with him, you know. Uh, yeah, feeling But but as they're as they're leaving, uh, the blight is strangely quiet. It's not. It's not. It's you know before because before it felt like it was attacking everyone, and I'm wondering why. Well, Moraine does make the comment. She actually says it a couple of times that they had they had struck a mighty blow to the Dark One, and and you know the blight being you know something that comes from the Dark One's power. You know, I guess I guess that had something to do with it. I would say. Yeah, she says says you know that. They've struck a mighty blow, and then that's when she sees the blight has gone quiet. But then when they get out of the blight and they realize that spring has come, she's like, yeah. she pauses for a minute, kind of catching herself. She's like, a mighty blow indeed. Right. <laughs> right. Like, well, uh, you know, so I, he did it. That, that was it then. You know, the long winter, it was just the dark one. Exactly. Yeah, all of this. Going all the way back to, to chapter one, where we've been, you know, talking all along that, you know, spring should have been here a month ago. You know, when, 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 when the book started in chapter one, I think that was, uh, what they were saying, you know, spring should have really kind of been here about a month ago. And now I don't know exactly how much time has passed since, since, since that night, but, you know, it's, a it's matter been of days. It, what's that? A matter of days. Well, it's been, it's been, um, uh, it's been a significant amount of time. Since Not, they left uh, Faldara? No, since no, they left no, the Two no. Rivers. He's talking about Two Rivers. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes since yes, since yes, Winter yes. Night. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it's been, yeah, that you would know, be... 
probably about two months. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been less than like three. It's been it's been a short well, it, amount of time too. Yeah, it it hasn't been extremely long, but it hasn't been just like a week or yeah, two. Yeah, definitely. Either. Um, yeah, but but everywhere but they've gone, that go ahead. Everywhere they've gone, uh, the discussion has been you know spring should have been here already, and now having dealt a mighty blow to the dark one, I mean like overnight. Spring yeah. is here. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like, oh, the snow's starting to thaw a little. Or no, no, it's no, like it's... accelerated. Like, spring is like one minute there, and then all of a sudden you blink, and buds are popping out everywhere. The birds are yeah. singing, and like, the it's world startling. has drastically shifted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, w- I want to back up just a little bit. Um, back, back, I, I want to go back into the blight. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I know we don't, uh, I we don't get like out it of there. The We're out. <laughs> but I want to talk about uh, when they pass through or or near the seven towers of Malkir. Malkir, yeah. I, I want to know what was going on. Was was Rand just when he looked at the towers and he said it looked like they were taller and had the golden crane banner on top? Of, I mean, I'm 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 sure that that wasn't really there, or it would have been commented on from somewhere else so is he just seeing like a vision or is it just like a daydream or or what (laughs) i think uh what he's seeing is another sign just like spring coming and the blight going quiet is another sign of a strike against the dark one so malkier has only been in the blight for roughly 40 years right give or take um, so it is the newest section of the blight. What's happening here is the blight itself has like receded to a degree. Like the strength of it has paled. Um, and I think we're shown that in what Rand's seeing here, it's almost like some of the destruction and corruption and foulness that had encompassed Malkir has been beat back. Hmm, okay. So whereas the towers were broken, ruined, now they seem more upright. You think he, he can see banners flying from them. You know, it's uh, it's just a sign that the, the normal, in an uncorrupted world, those towers would be whole, the banners flying, the lakes would be clean, glistening things. But because of the Dark One's corruption, yeah. they've fallen. This is just another sign uh, that the Dark One's power has been pushed back. In that this area, he's his power is waning in this area. So, so would you say it's more of a metaphor for the the weakening of the Dark One's power? I, I think it's definitely a metaphor, but I think Rand is out, uh, actually seeing it too. Okay. I think the the pattern itself has been uh, touched by what's happened, and like the pattern is constantly weaving the very fabric of reality and i think what's happened here is because this has affected the dark one's control and his presence and exerting strength on the pattern i think that rand is legitimately seeing this right now but but he's he's the only one seeing it right right okay Uh, i it just it just seemed kind of it was just kind of a strange and, and the way it was described i was having trouble you know was it just like a vision or, or, or whatever that he was seeing or, or what the, the whole thing behind that was? So, 
I think what's happening basically to put it into easy terms, I think Rand is catching a glimpse of the pattern as it should be. Okay. Or is it catching a glimpse of the pattern as it will be? Yeah. (laughs) Could he he be seeing, uh, you know, could he be seeing a glimpse of the future? (laughs) Yeah. It's a good question. So uh, speaking of seeing things, um, you know, like that transition. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of seeing things, um, Lord Agamar, <laughs> uh, Lord Agamar, when they do arrive uh, in Faldara and they are conversing together, was um, well, he was concerned about what he saw in Tarwin's Gap, and it's obviously because he saw a man there channeling. Oh, okay. Because yeah. uh, I was I was thinking about that, and I was like, "What's the issue here?" Well, it was what he was saying was what, and and, and here's here's something I was thinking about, especially in it seems like in the borderlands, because almost everywhere we've gone, uh, with maybe one or two exceptions, almost everywhere we've gone, there is definitely a hesitation when it comes to the Aes Sedai. But when you come to Faldara, they are seem much more accepting. I mean, you know, other places that we've gone, you know, they had to use fake names. They didn't really want the word to get out that that there was an Aes Sedai nearby. But you come to Faldara, and you know, and and maybe it's because of the connection with land. I don't know, but I think it seems like they're much more accepting. Uh, and they even wanted Moraine to ride with them to Tarwin's Gap for the battle. But when he sees a man wielding the one power, because of many of the things that we've talked about, because of what it symbolizes, because, you know, the men are the ones who broke the world. They're destined to go mad because of the taint on Sidene. You know, he even says, I think, um, he says, what I saw cannot be or even must not be. Uh, he was very concerned with with that, so uh, you know he's taking notice. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's 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 not as negative as everyone else has been. I think it's more so like, huh, like uh, yeah, like you said. I feel like it's just a. I feel like it's just a note. Like, huh, this is this is. Oh no no no! I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like Algamar feels that way about that about what he, about seeing a man channel. Uh, he's he's terrified by that idea. And I think there's also a little bit more to it. Um, real quick, if you don't mind me interjecting. No, go ahead. Um, so, Agomar is an educated man. He's a lord of Faldara. Uh, he is a general. He is experienced in fighting. Um, he has most likely fought alongside Aes Sedai before, um, as Aes Sedai do occasionally fight you know, trollocs and things along the borders, that kind of thing. So he's he is probably not unfamiliar with what an Aes Sedai can do with the power that they wield and that kind of thing. You know, otherwise he wouldn't have asked Moraine to come with them to the Gap. But the absolute scale of what happened in the Gap is something... So, all right. Moraine pretty much uses all of her power on winter night. Like, she's using an Angriol to fight off, you know, a dozen or more Trollocs. Like, mm-hmm. a small number of Trollocs. 
And that's at her max. And she's not weak by any means. Not at all. But this man that shows up in the gap. So not only is he a man that's channeling. He's a man that's channeling with such power. Basically, like, he caused a mini breaking in to destroy that army. Like, the lightning, the, the thunder, the earthquakes, the ground breaking up and swallowing things. Like, that is the power that broke the world. The sheer amount of force, even amongst people who can channel, that is a ridiculous amount of power. So, that doesn't just say to Agomar, this was just a random dude who learned to channel. Uh, this is something else. And I think even for Agomar, the name that probably sticks in his mind when he thinks of a man that can channel to that level is the dragon. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, but it's so cool. Because it's though. not like just a random bumpkin came up and threw some fireballs. I mean, this guy that, you know, he said uh, the people... Uh, I mean, I do, I do remember that he was talking about the fact of, I mean, we were losing, you know, we we weren't getting anywhere with this fight, and then you know, suddenly lightning comes out of everywhere, and uh, so I do, I do remember that. I just don't think he's angry. I, so I guess I misread that part. Uh, I don't think he's angry. I don't think I he's think angry. He's I think terrified. he's just scared. Yeah. Okay, because you know how I the say, other townspeople are just like angry at Isodai. I'm like, no, I don't think he's angry. Um, no, so, no. So at least I, we established that. Yeah, I don't think he's angry either. I think I think he's afraid of okay of what he's yeah. seen because the and the implications the men, of it. Like his men are saying there was a miracle, and he says, uh, "Yes, I said I and no. The half man and their trollocs were destroyed to the last, but we barely fought. A miracle, my men call it. To the earth swallowed them. The mountains buried them." Only a few drag car were left too frightened to do else but fly north as fast as they could. Uh, Moran said, I, men say many things about what happened in the gap. That the light took on flesh and fought for us. That the creator walked in the gap to strike at the shadow. But I saw a man. I saw a man, and what he did cannot be, must not be. Yeah. I, I feel like Moraine just wanted to slap him down right then. I feel like she, if she could just cover his mouth, it's like she had all these fancy ways of just telling him to shut up. Like, stop talking about it. Like, enough. Like, no, I saw a man. Mm-mm, I saw a man. It wasn't the creator. It's like, Moraine, you can feel it. Moraine was just like, stop talking about it. You all lived enough already. Yeah. That's what I caught from that. But I did like the fact that the Drakkar, like, like just skedaddled out. <laughs> they were like, we're not, we, we didn't sign up for this. And it just left. Uh, but I, like I said, this isn't the end. No, and Moraine is convinced that it's not the end either. Right. Despite Rand's protests, um, and she has to silence him a couple times with a glare, uh, she doesn't think the Dark One is done. Uh, Rand can believe what he wants, but Moraine is convinced that the battle is just beginning. Just beginning. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah, the the last battle still lies ahead. And it looks like the last thing they've decided to do is head back home. Like, we have two different... I feel like we're the group's splitting again. Well, we've got... So that is the plan that is laid out here. Um, that uh, most of the party is planning to go to Tarvalon, their original destination, because uh, the girls for training and Matt to get healed, and Perrin just wants to go with them. But Rand is making plans to go off on his own. And no one's stopping him, in all honesty. 
Well, it's, it, you know, it's one of those, it, it, he's being a noble idiot. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is, I mean, it, it is noble. He's, he's throwing but, a noble tantrum. But, but it's, it's not, you know, his, I, I, I'm, my guessing is what's going on through Rand's head is get as far away as he can from everybody that he loves because he doesn't want to, uh, take the chance of hurting them. So Sir, when you break the it's world, the, it's the, it's the, it's, it's the, it's the classic noble idiot. Like, no, of, like, of 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 wanting to, you know, take yourself out of the picture to protect the people that you love. It just sounded like a mini tantrum, like his feelings were hurt. I'm like, get over it. But I understand. No, I understand. No, I he, didn't, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't want to be. That's what. That's how it sounded to me. Like his feelings were hurt because Moraine is like. Uh, he, it, it, I feel like the fact that he he the gentling the word gentling in, in particular. I feel like he he's offended. But he understands, but he's offended. And also, I'm sorry, you can go as far as you want, but when you break the world, the world is broken. It doesn't matter where you are. Well, he also, he he's, his plan is he's never going to touch the source again. Yeah. I mean... So, he, he's, he's, he's going to go somewhere and pretty much live as a hermit. It, it sounds to me like his plan is to go somewhere and live as a hermit and not be put in any situations where he might have to use the power, stay away from people that he loves, just in case... He uses the power uh, again. It's 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 a classic. It's a classic move. And the opposite's for, going to happen. You know, for 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 like the the hero story, it's a classic move. Yeah, self sacrifice at his own detriment. Yeah, because he fears his own power. And in all honesty, I mean, Rand. Every time you've used the power, has been an accident. So you heading off somewhere is not going to do anything. Because I, I feel like in a moment of desperation, it's just going to come out. But I can't. Yeah, I can't but, write to Rand. I can't text him or anything. So, but but every every time before this, he he wasn't aware even that he could use the power. Now he knows. So that adds that adds the different wrinkle into it. When you're desperate, you're desperate, yeah. and he'll use it when he. He's, it's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, but like I said, he's he's not reading the book. Moraine says when he asks if he never touches it, if he can avoid going mad, if he just doesn't touch it again. And she says, you know, it might be possible, but it would take a supreme uh, act of will, uh, an absurdly strong will to keep from touching it. She's like, I, she basically admits, I, would, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like, I wouldn't be able to keep from touching Sidar. Like, it would take the strongest will that the world has ever seen to keep from doing it. Because it's almost like the way they talk about uh, men that have been gentled or people that spend too much time channelers that can spend too much time in the steading it's almost like the power is, is addictive like it's it's like this part of you that when you're channeling it's like you're you're most alive and to suddenly try and get rid of that it's just something that people they're not strong enough to do it's not that it's impossible if your will was strong enough you could do that you could not touch it again but the the type of person that would be able to do that that that's a something special to be able to try and and uh, hold out that hard. No, guys, I can tell you from personal experience, it is really hard to not touch Sidar, and I've been doing it for years. So I, <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not lying. No, I I've I'm, I mean I'd show I'd prove that I can touch Sidar if I didn't have this strong will, but I I will tell you it is really hard. Well, it's, 
it's like you said, Stephen. It's one of those things that it. It's like breathing. It's so it's so core to who a person that can touch the source is. I mean, it's like denying a part of yourself. So uh, yeah, it, I would I would probably agree with Moraine that you know once you've once you've touched the source and know that experience, it would be really hard to live the rest of your life not not knowing that again. Um, so we close <laughs> with Moraine using the power to do a little eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And I guess we're meant to assume she was e- eavesdropping on Rand and Egwene's conversation. And yes. she, it closes with her uh, remarking to herself, she says that the prophecies will be fulfilled. And she says, the dragon is reborn. And that's yep. the end of the book. <laughs> that's it. So we have the final confirmation that Rand is, in fact, at least according to Moraine, the dragon reborn. Yeah. I mean... I mean, she doesn't She doesn't exactly say that it's Rand, but I mean, come on, we're... We're, the, we're the dude, I, it, it's 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 all but it's all but there in black and white. He got rid of the whole <laughs> army of legs. Okay. <laughs> it's not Matt. <laughs> and and Perrin's eyes are just yellow, so I mean, it's it has to be one of the three. So I'm sorry, I just had to play a little devil's advocate for a second. <laughs> I know, I know, it's Rand. Come on, give me a break. Um. All right, guys. But yeah, that's where I the story ends. That's book one. Yeah. Excellent. The end of the first book of The Wheel of Time. 13 to go. <laughs> 13 to go. Oh my gosh. So that's, if this was the only book, I'd be disappointed just because, um, you know, it just kind of ended too suddenly. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to book two. I'm just, I, I mean, I like I said, you know, as far as final thoughts go, there's no way the Dark One is, there's no way you just, you defeated him within one chapter even like no so um in the scope of things what we just finished reading is basically the prologue to the wheel of time wow (laughs) we're just we're just touching the surface yeah i believe it so well you know i actually i i want to say i kind of feel a little bit differently than than you do, Michelle. I, I'm very glad that it is a a series and that we do have more to read. But I also feel like, and and I think this can be pretty typical of first books in a series that if this was all we had, yeah, I think we still have a complete story. There are still some questions unresolved, but we we get a full story in this novel and I mean I'm glad it's not the end of it but it could be the end of it if there was never another book published uh, we probably wouldn't be sitting here talking about it but there there would it would still be a a, a full narrative um, it's a complete story but I don't think the ending oh, is no. satisfying if you read it out it, by itself. oh absolutely that's, not it's too that's many true. questions you, you would you would want you would want some other to keep going yeah. Uh, and thankfully we have that. Um, yep. So, and I, you guys know I have to say it, uh, no white cloaks in these chapters. That's a good thing. 
because white cloaks are the worst. <laughs> no lies there. Steven, you got any final yes, thoughts for us? Any final thoughts? Um, oh, goodness. Uh, just that I am excited to keep this going and to uh, continue to expand this universe. And uh, now I think going forward... I have a little bit looser of a tongue because I can t- refer back to things that now you know. So I'm excited because that means I don't have to be quite as quiet in the coming episodes, hopefully. Uh, so I'm excited to really start hashing into things and really starting to pick y'all's brains on stuff going forward now that we've got some of the building blocks put in place. So, uh, And I'm excited. I know... We're planning a special episode for next week. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, I'm I'm about ready to get off here and 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 go read, um, because I got questions that need to be answered. Uh, <laughs> so so why why don't why don't we go ahead and wrap this up for this week? Um, sure. So to all of our listeners, we are so thankful that you have joined us once again for this discussion, guys. We finished the first book. Of the Wheel of Time, Woo! and in in just a few yes. weeks we will be starting the second book of the Wheel of Time, the Great Hunt. Uh, but in, in the meantime, we have a couple of special episodes uh, planned for y'all. Next week we have a an episode. We're just going to go back and and review the Eye of the World, talk about some things that we liked, maybe some things that we didn't like. Just kind of a a fun overview of the book in general. So we hope you'll come back and join us for that. We might talk some theories and some revelations along the way. And then the week after that, we have a very special uh, Q&A episode uh, that we've been recording uh, on and off throughout this season. And we hope you might enjoy that as well. Uh, Until then, we do want to uh, encourage you to uh, subscribe. New episodes are released every Tuesday so that uh, if you subscribe, you get it uh, immediately in your podcast feed uh, when it's available. So that that's the best way to keep up with us and know when new episodes are are there. Uh, if you do that, we'd also love it if you would uh, give us a rating. Five stars are great, but give us an honest rating uh, if you would. And also leave us a review. Uh, let us know uh, how you think we're doing. Let us know. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. So if you do, let us tell us that. And the other thing with leaving those reviews is when, when you do that, it, it gets us a little bit higher, uh, in, in the charts, gives us some, some visibility before, uh, other people so that if they haven't joined us yet, they can come and be a part of this journey as well. Uh, other than that, you can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, uh, at Wind Beginning. We're on Instagram. The Wind Was a Beginning. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, The Wind Was a Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. You can also email us at thewindwasabeginning at gmail.com. So, again, thank you for joining us tonight. We hope you'll come back next week for that review episode. And until then, uh, we'll say uh, so long for now. See you guys. Toodles. See y'all, folks. Can't wait to see you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>